Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The election, of course, uh, was the big news earlier this week, and uh, the re-election of uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Uh, and uh, as is per usual, of course, we've uh, got some of the, the breakdown now as to exactly where the, the votes were in what particular areas. And uh, it, it paints an interesting picture when you look at just uh, how uh, the votes split basically between the two major candidates for mayor, that being, of course, Fred Eisenberger and Vito Scro. Uh, newly released poll data now shows that the support for the mayor uh, during the election was largely in urban areas and uh, obviously in central Hamilton. Uh, and the rural areas, well, those seem to, to favor Vito Scro. Joining us to, to analyze this and uh, give us a breakdown on this is Peter Gray, a political science professor sorry, uh, from McMaster University. Peter, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for this. My pleasure. Were you surprised by the breakdown? Uh, not terribly. Uh, I mean, when you have a mayor winning with uh, 53% of the vote, and this is the highest percentage since amalgamation, You'd expect him to be strong throughout the city, and in the end, uh, he had more votes than the challenger in all uh, all wards except uh, Ward 9 and Ward 15. So there's a pretty strong uh, show of support across the city in terms of having that majority support of people voting for him. Because I think pre-election there was a lot of speculation that, well, you know, if you're not in favor of LRT, you're not going to vote for Fred Eisenberger. But uh, even in areas where you think the support for LRT might have been a little uh, less than enthusiastic, they still seem to move that way. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess you can read that two ways. I mean, I mean, a case in point might be Ward 9, where you had the, the two main candidates, and Doug Conley and Brad Clark, running uh, hellfire against the LRT. And, uh, you know, there, it's true, Vito Scro came out with uh, just over 50% of the vote, but uh, Fred Eisenberger was in the high 40s. So how do you understand that? I mean, I guess there's two ways of seeing it. One is that maybe those candidates misjudged the degree of opposition to LRT in that uh, ward. Uh, but maybe, too, it's a kind of underlying support for the mayor, even in cases where people didn't like one of his signature issues. Uh, you know, again, even in a ward where she didn't win, at, you know, in the high 40s, he, he got a higher percentage than people like, uh, you know, across the city, people like uh, Bob Bertina or uh, Bob Wade uh, received in their winning campaign. So there's a pretty there's a strong strength of support, even in places where he finished second. And, and I think that's surprising to some people, because anecdotally, the, a lot of the stuff we heard before the election was that, you know, the only support for LRT, uh, and, and I guess and through that for Fred Eisenberger, is going to be a great where the, the, the route's going to go, towards one, two, three, four, uh, right across the city, but probably not much else. We heard from the mountain councillors before the election that, oh boy, I'm hearing all kinds of people saying we don't want this thing out here. But the numbers uh, from the election, Peter, essentially say that the support's pretty strong, except until you get into those rural areas and the outlying areas. Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of, you know, how you pull the things apart. I mean, Vito Scro certainly said this was a, uh, a referendum on the LRT, and so you could read it as a kind of sign of a of a kind of silent and diffuse support. Uh, and certainly, you know, people may have been angry about the LRT, people who supported it in the sense of saying, hey, it's probably going to reduce my uh, property taxes, or it's an important way to allow the city to grow without congestion. Uh, maybe we're less exercised about it, and so, you know, the candidates didn't hear it. The other possibility is that uh, it's not necessarily that important an issue to a lot of people. So even if they were opposed to it, uh, ultimately they said, well, we don't want to give a blank check to uh, someone who's never run a pop shop uh, in municipal politics and let them become mayor. You know, what was the, what was the basis of Vito Scro's uh, experience in municipal politics? Well, it was zero. And so, uh, you know, maybe they felt that even if they agreed with them on the LRT, they would prefer to keep the city in a pair of hands that... Uh, had some experience in running a city. So that would be the other way of thinking about it, is that 
uh, you know, the, the, the candidates made LRT the central issue, but voters had a more complex set of things they were thinking about when making their mayoral choice. And that was an interesting, uh, I, I think, result of this whole thing. Uh, you know, we're right here. We're in the forest, you know, in, in political science and doing talk radio, whatever it is. And, and so these issues are big issues to us. And we hear, of course, from people uh, that seem passionate both pro- for and against. But uh, that's one of the takeaways I got on Monday night, too, Peter, is that maybe people just didn't think it was such a big deal after all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a way in which uh, the decision has been made repeatedly. I mean, the, the question has been relitigated at city uh, city council for a long time, and so people, regardless of how they feel, again, the the passionate people on both sides want to make sure that the project goes ahead or fails. Um, but for a lot of other people, I think the idea is, well, it's been litigated. Uh, maybe you're happy or not entirely happy with the decision that the city made, but there's a desire to move on to other things. And I mean, there were things that we saw in the council races that you know, it came up about sort of safety in communities and uh, are pedestrians safe uh, moving about in the city? Uh, do we have in the new uh, developments, you know, say on Stony Creek Mountain, do we have the kind of uh, parks and infrastructure that allow families to raise kids? I mean, these are the kinds of questions that were also important to voters. Uh, and so, again, you know, as much as the candidates made it about uh, an election on LRT, uh, there were probably other features of people's choice. And, and I found that to be the case on Monday night when I was uh, interviewing some of the, the winners, especially some of the new councillors that just got elected. And I asked them specifically, I said, what did you hear at the doors? And, and the consensus there, Peter, seemed to be, you know what, I didn't hear about LRT very much. Unless, unless the, count, the uh, well, in that case, the candidate actually brought it up. He says it was not front of mind for an awful lot of the people, especially up on the mountain. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it, it's something that's been uh, kicking around now for about 10 years in, in Hamilton politics. And... Uh, Again, I mean, in a situation where you had uh, Fred Eisenberger running without a sort of serious competition from established political forces in the city, uh, you know, it made sense for the challenger, for Vito Scro to make this uh, an election about cats versus dogs. <laughs> it was a way to get profile and get people talking. But uh, it's not, you know, people will, will always be happy to talk about cats versus dogs, but then they'll say, well, actually, that doesn't really matter to us. We don't have either, right? So... Uh, I think it's it's maybe a bit of that feature that we that we saw, and in some ways it's unfortunate because it meant that as a city we didn't get a chance to talk about some of these things that seem to be important to people in their local races. And and those things are going to come up obviously in the matter of course over the next couple of months. Of course, as council starts to deal with well, the, like obviously the 2019 budget and and some other areas uh, such as area rating, for instance, which I thought was going to be a much bigger issue, but it got virtually. No conversation at all during this debate uh, over the you know heading up to this election. Yeah, well, I mean, I think area rating has two things that make it hard to be an election issue. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, it's a bit complicated to explain, uh, and it's hard then to deal on the doorstep with people who really don't understand uh, what it's about. Uh, but I think the other thing is that the councillors who were making the case that we had to keep area rating at the same time were also making claims that uh, that their part of the city was being shortchanged by a lack of transit. Uh, but ultimately, those are two sides of the same coin. I mean, there's less transit in part because area rating makes it impossible to expand transit without putting all the cost onto uh, the people in the area it's being added to. So, uh, you know, the councillors themselves who would be the most in favor of keeping area rating uh, haven't had a consistent uh, and uh, probably an honest discussion about this when they're talking about the other side of it, which is transit service. And so I think they probably, too, had an interest of just keeping it at the level of a slogan. I mean, we saw Mr. Scro at a few times bring out the question of area rating to try and drum up support in uh, the more rural parts of the of the riding. But, you know, even in the communities that were area rated, again, outside of, you know, 15, uh, Ward 15 and Ward 9, uh, he didn't get more votes than Mr. Eisenberger. 
We anticipated, and just from what I heard over the phones over the last couple of months, uh, an angry constituency. Uh, you know that wow, they don't like the new ward boundaries. They're not going to you know like LRT uh, unless you live along the route. And and I, quite frankly, I guess we we were basically told no, that's that's not that big a deal. None of that stuff seemed to be good. Big. I guess it reiterates that that, that old phrase about you know all politics is local. It was the local issues, what was going on in their neighborhood that seemed to matter to voters most. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we also have to remember that, uh, you know, our Hamiltonians who follow municipal politics do so with a passion, almost with vitriol if it's on Twitter, uh, but it's a pretty small community. Uh, you know, the average Hamiltonian, if you speak to them about a decision, you know, an important decision even that was taken at City Hall, uh, you know, the week before, uh, they don't they don't really know what happened. They may have a kind of vague sense they saw something in the newspaper, and to the extent that our local News coverage is really down to this radio station and the newspaper and the CBC, uh, you know, web outfit. I think people are even less uh, less informed about what's happening in their city's politics. And so, in that context, when you get to an election, uh, yeah, often there will be a lot of things that the people who are really following it closely are going to say this is crucial. But uh, to the average voter, uh, it may actually be quite distant from their their prime concerns. Is that because we've got a lot of uh, new people into this community? I mean, we've all heard from the real estate uh, end of things, of course, that uh, a lot of folks from the GTA are gravitating towards this area and buying homes here, condos, whatever the case might be. Uh, are they not engaged in local politics? Or are they still looking back to their to their hometown and, and more concerned about what's going on there than they are here? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the case. I think, you know, we see from the turnouts in municipal elections, uh, you know, that's been kind of kicking around the sort of 35 to 40 percent range. It actually ticked up a bit in Hamilton this time. But, you know, on that sort of range, it gives you a sign that it's a pretty minority interest, you know, historically looking at, at municipal politics. I think it is true as you have, you know, new developments as people move in, it maybe takes them a while to figure out, well, what is it and in what ways does the municipal government touch their lives? Uh, and there's also a way in the way we've talked about politics uh, in the city that the decisions at City Hall maybe aren't the most relevant ones. You, if you're in a new uh, subdivision, uh, you may be concerned about things like, uh, you know, safety of streets. You might be concerned about parks. But, you know, those are debates that you rarely see in, in being reported uh, out of City Hall. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously they're making those decisions and they're important decisions, but they aren't part of the debate uh, in the city most of the time. So... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's new people that makes uh, make the difference. I think it's always been, you know, not that closely followed. Uh, and it may be that the way that our politicians talk about issues at City Hall don't resonate with the, the kind of local issues that people have about the livability of their communities. Peter, if you were a betting man, <laughs> uh, would, you, would you speculate right now whether or not this is going to put the LRT issue to bed once and for all, or is this thing going to drag on? Uh well, I mean, I think it's going to be a real question for the councillors who are there. I mean, if they want to keep relitigating this every five years because they think it serves their own, well, not every five years, every five months, every time there's a next decision to be made, because they, they think it serves their, their purpose in their ward, yeah, I think we'll keep relitigating it. But I think we are in a moment where collectively they could say, well, we, we had uh, something akin to a referendum on this. We seem to have still the same kind of split on council, which will lead to a narrow majority pushing it forward. You know, let's actually try and make this a success of a project and make sure that we don't give the provincial government excuses to just pull the plug. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a moment where we could move forward, particularly if citizens kind of ask their politicians and say, yeah, we know you're opposed to it, but we're, we're over $100 million down the road in this, so they don't come back to me at budget time and say, 
you know that you're the you're really following the budget closely when you're you're, you're willing to flush away a hundred million dollars of work that's already been done. Right, and it's also this propensity for councillors to always want some unanimous vote on these things. I, this this is an issue that's never going to be unanimous. There's always going to be some contrary points of view, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, and that's healthy, right? I mean, we don't sure. we don't have to, uh, if we always have to agree on everything, we end up with the the lowest common denominator solution, the you know the the least uh, you know the least interesting. Uh, I mean, it is good to try and seek a broader consensus and a narrow majority. We haven't been able to do that on Hamilton City Council, but to the extent that we've been moving this forward for eight or nine years, we've incurred uh, significant expenses. You know, this $100 million isn't, you know, just on ads that were made. It's like important engineering work, acquiring property, assembling the capacity to deliver this project. Uh, it seems, in fact, a bit irresponsible for councillors to constantly be trying to relitigate the basic answer rather than when these things come up, actually debating the specifics of a particular contract or a particular set of decisions that have to be made. And again, that I think serves us poorly because the, the, main, the main decision has been made. Uh, it's a matter of, of looking at the more specific uh, aspects and making sure those are right. And that gets lost if we're just always talking about the big question. I think we're at the point, too, are we not, Peter, where like, everybody's made up their mind on this. And, like, and there's, there's nothing else that's going to be brought into this discussion that's going to change anybody's mind. You're either for it or against it based on what we know. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean I think we should leave open the opportunity that the you know the the province or you know some deal could be fundamentally bad for the city, and we have to keep our eyes open for that. Uh, but again, we should have a sort of grain of salt when councillors try to relitigate it because it gives them a chance to grandstand. I mean I think you know there's a, a moment where we have uh, four new councillors on this uh, council, a couple from the Central Mountain who seem to be talking about the interests of the residents uh, in a in a different way than we saw with either Councillor Duval or Councillor Skelly or even Councillor Whitehead when he represented the Mohawk area. Uh, so there's also, I think, a moment to be thinking differently about a whole lot of different questions, you know, whether it's pedestrian safety. Uh, you know, Esther Pauls was really pushing the idea of separated bike lanes and, uh, you know, improving the bike network on the mountain. Uh, there's a lot of different discussions we could also start being having uh, in the city in terms of solving some really concrete issues that uh, residents have identified through this election season. Well, that's one of the things I was excited about is is the the agenda that they're going to bring to the table. I mean, it's always I think a good idea to get new blood on a council, but but the influx and I think the quality of some of the newcomers here is is uh, I, I think giving an awful lot of people now some hope that maybe we can turn the page on this and move on to other issues. Well, I think at the very least it it shakes up the common blocks on council and a certain number of councillors who were happy to be opposed to things because they thought they were easy vote-getters now have to face people next door saying, no, actually, our citizens want them. Uh, and so I think it will complicate some of the posturing that we've seen on council and maybe lead to more productive discussions about how to make this the best city to live in. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Peter, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this today. You're welcome. Peter Grafe, uh, political science professor from McMaster University, uh, with the breakdown, and uh, Fred Eisenberger winning... Uh, very, very comfortably, of course, uh, with the, the, the municipal election going on there. And uh, let's just say, I'd like to see them turn the page. One of the, the things that really is frustrating, we talked about this with Marianne Mead Ward, the, uh, the mayor-elect of uh, Burlington now, is that, you know, the election's over. Uh, the new councils don't get sworn in until the first week of December. So you got this, like, five- or six-week period where not much of anything's going to be going on. And uh, there are things that could be done and things that could be side- decided upon. It's one thing I think that the province is going to have to do. It's one thing to move the election date up, and I'm glad they did, to early October and supposed to November, where it had been for the last number of years. But get the new council sworn in. 
ASAP and get them starting to work on this instead of this this lame period that they've got right now. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.